All right, so in the few days that our Watch More Martin Scorsese episode has been up, we've received some messages on social media as well as some emails mentioning some of the films that we didn't discuss in the episode and asking why. Well, some of them we did. Earlier in the week, we promised some additional content from our talk, and so this is us making good on our promise. Quickly, before we get into our debate, let's touch on some of the ones we know aren't coming up. Is that okay? Sounds good to me. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Does anyone have anywhere to be? <laughs> no, I absolutely no. not. <laughs> um, one of the ones that's going to be surprising to a lot of people, it's surprising to everyone on the panel that no one picked it, but I like that no one picked it actually as a first viewing. Um, Raging Bull. Uh, any thoughts on this film as a piece because it is extremely powerful and resonant and i also love boxing films in general you can put me in a theater to watch anything even if it's a piece of garbage and it's about boxing because i i there's something um magical about the sport for me especially in its um infancy that's uh, that it's it's almost like this perverse romanticism that i have about it but let's not go down that road <laughs> um but yeah there's there's some amazing stuff the choice to shoot in black and white is a brave one um, and uh, De Niro's choice to put on a considerable amount of weight for for the the uh, mirror scene that I already mentioned. Yeah. Um, any standout moments for you in 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 this film? Um, might, uh, I just I, I'm not a huge fan of the movie. I definitely like it, but mm. it's not one of the standouts of his of his catalog that I like. Really? Um, yeah, I think I've only seen it once. Actually, I, maybe I should rewatch it. Yeah. Uh, the thing I do love. Uh, most about it as the cinematography and just how each boxing match is filmed in a different style. Mm-hmm. Like one is very like angular on like just, you know, straight angles. Yeah, yeah. And there's obviously the, the slow motion stuff and just, uh, yeah, mo- mostly just the visuals and uh, the, the filmmaking style behind it, mm-hmm. the plot and themes and stuff. I don't know I get, I need to see it again. But, uh, you remember yeah. the scene? I just thought of it. So I'm sorry. You sure. remember the scene? Uh, Cause I already mentioned on the waterfront, where um, the first interaction with, uh, you know, the date, the or like, let's go on a date kind of thing. Yeah. And it's through the uh, through the fence. Right. Um, I've seen an interview with Scorsese where he said he realized um, after the fact how reminiscent that was of the uh, the pigeon cages in on the waterfront (laughs) (laughs) and it's so funny because then he you know he uses the the quote from at the end of the film and 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 then he's like he's in editing and he's looking he's like oh fuck you know like i literally also stole that oh well whatever on the waterfront too yeah it's just interesting that's all anyone else any thoughts on on raging bull before we move along i haven't actually ever seen it really it's worth your time the, the few that i haven't i'm not i'm Go in with some patience, though. I'm a bit squeamish about the combat sports, as you know. Yeah, <laughs> don't people, like the punching in the noses. Yeah, the swelling. The yeah. a lot of facial swelling. Yeah. I'm not cool with. I don't know. I just thought of something, Danny. I want your thoughts on. You've seen the film, obviously. Yes. Yep. Okay. We talked about in the Fincher episode um, the audio blend that occurs between the coughing on the bus mm. and the um, like the sweaty 
fight sequence that follows. Yep. There's a beautiful scene like that in Raging Bull where the um, the kind of domestic violence scene at home morphs into the sounds of the actual boxing match. Right. And it, it, which is so interesting because you've mentioned to me that you really like that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and I—it's actually one of my favorite moments in the film because it's—I'm—I'm it, I'm an audio guy. I—I'm I, an auditory learner, so it was one of the first things that I picked out um, and connected to, like that they're drawing. Oh, okay, this is the same as this in terms of his motivation. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, he's a, such a pugnacious guy in every respect. It's a good way of emphasizing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have much to say about Raging Bull except for the fact that a lot of these boxing movies subscribe to the, you know, the great man theory that, like, you know, the great man theory of history. Like, one man through sheer tyranny of will can accomplish a lot. Absolutely. And, uh, I think Raging Bull does fall victim to that. I think the uh, – uh, okay, the greatest boxing movie ever made is Fat City from 1972 in my opinion. Just the, the best way to show boxing is um, – a series of well-placed assaults over a period of time instead of just um, the big knockout punch, the glance, you know. But I did like uh, Scorsese noticing the blood bucket and the sponge and little details like that, like he always does. Mm-hmm. And the um, I do like, uh, to lend to your lend credence to your point, the, um, the at the end of the, the final fight, obviously, when he's like, Ray, you never got me down, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you never knocked me down or whatever. Um, definitely a reaffirmation of that. Interesting. Anyone else? Or move along. Move along. Uh, you want to talk about the aviator a little bit? Any thoughts yeah. on the aviator? aviator. You guys have mentioned it a little <laughs> People bit. People have thoughts on the aviator? <laughs> Holy shit. It sounds like you have some. Yeah. I, I have, don't have much. Yeah, I don't have much either. I literally went to see it with a couple people from my class at Concordia because our professor was in it. And yeah. he's in it in like the first five minutes. And the rest was like... Kate Blanchett's yeah. weird Catherine Hepburn impression, <laughs> and then Kate Beckinsale's weird Ava Gardner impression. I didn't like and that Gwen one Stefani so much. I like showing up, and <laughs> it's just like it's so wanky. It's so wanky, and Leo is so bad in it. So you defer to the Reeves version. I refer to none of those versions. <laughs> Howard Hughes sounds like a real nut job, and everyone should like forget about him. No, man, he's yeah. important, especially to the field of aviation and and to the film industry in general. Oh, yeah. Like Lots he did make a lot of leaps and bounds, mainly but through then, monetary. Uh, shouldn't games. you be able to tell that story more interestingly? Yeah, but the story is the the secret of that story is that it shouldn't be from the perspective of Hughes. That's the problem. But yeah, and and it's been done like it's been done twice. Yeah, and, yeah. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. How so, is uh, John C. Riley in it? I I just I I never he, knew that he was in it. I, was I, he playing? Is, it again? is he playing like yeah, a comedic yeah, foil, or is no, he playing like a pretty serious he's, role? He's playing. I, I remember he's uh, he's got a pretty big emotional moment just before the uh, the first like Leo freakout in a mirror at the uh, at, like where they're building the. The spruce goose or whatever the fuck. Show me the little prince. Yeah, and uh, but he, he, I don't know. He's just lovable. It's John actually, C. Riley. Actually, I'm going to take that back. The best portrayal of Howard Hughes was the Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns opens a casino. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's got the long I, for nail. me. That's the <laughs> best. Get in the plane, the sir. It's too small. 
get in. <laughs> Should we throw away the u- jars of urine? No, we'll hang on to those. <laughs> All right, then let's use the, the uh, Simpsons reference to parlay into another film, Cape Fear. The remake, mm. I'm a big fan of the original. I, I don't know who I like better, Mitchum or De Niro. Because they both do it very differently, obviously. One is more internalized and, and also daunting, and I believe, in the Mitchum performance, whereas I feel as though the De Niro performance is a little more grandiose and played as an extreme kind of fun character almost, you know, with the eccentricities and whatnot. I, I'm still questioning if this film needed to be remade. Because like, yeah. some of the most yeah. magical moments are just like the moments that are played out over the original score. So it's kind of hard to tell what and, – and also some of the setting changes and stuff. Um, that being said, if we didn't have that movie, we wouldn't have the amazing fucking episode Great Cape Simpsons Fear, episode. Yeah. <laughs> which is fantastic. Right. Sideshow Bob, yeah. And the fucking rakes. Stands for the bar, the – <laughs> camera pans out and there's just a circle <laughs> yeah so it's, it's just it's inherently disappointing when a great talent does a remake it just is like I'm a huge fan of Rob Zombie and yeah those remakes I don't like um, either yeah, but pretty, I love yeah. um, House of a Thousand Corpses and mm-hmm. Devil's Rejects so I'm a big fan of Lords of Salem yeah, Lord I haven't Salem seen that one. Awesome. Oh, really? Check I'd it out. To see that. Yeah, check it out. It's it's his dialogue is for me never great, but um, yeah, it's it's, it's really, his most well directed really film. Too, yeah, I find like he actually really he's not just all over the place and crazy. It's like okay, I'm yeah. actually crafting a movie here, and, and yeah. I actually really like Sherry Moon Zombie in it. Yeah. I thought she yeah. was like solid. No, you're absolutely oh, right. She's great she's fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, where do we want to go here? <laughs> I wouldn't mind touching on you are uh, Alex. I don't think I don't think uh, I think. Have you guys seen Age of Innocence? I don't okay. think I've actually seen it. So that. then I don't think anyone else other than, you know, you, you want to have a conversation with me about it? Uh, <laughs> it's it's not great. Um, no, it's, it's And it's not. interesting because if you're looking for a great film adaptation of an Edith Wharton novel, you'd probably want to look at, I forget who the director is now, but it's uh, The House of Mirth with Gillian Anderson. Yeah. Uh, which is Probably one of my favorite movies of the last couple decades. Wow. Um, that might be a little, a little uh, bit of an overstatement. No, that, that, no, that, really, <laughs> that film really, really plays into my like massive Eric Stoltz crush. Um, <laughs> Eric Stoltz crush? What is that funny to you? <laughs> because it's Eric Stoltz? What I the hell? <laughs> He's hot in it. Okay. Um, but it does. I'm not a big Family Guy fan. Um, at all, but there's. I remember seeing one episode where they do a cutaway and they're talking about like what not a great actress Winona Ryder is, and they do a cutaway to them shooting Age of Innocence and Family Guy, and she's like, "That is most good, Newton, most good indeed." <laughs> and that was like, I was like, "Wow, that whole movie was almost worth it for that one gag," even though I really like Noni. But yeah, it's yeah. him trying something. I don't know. I, I can't totally be angry at it. I'm just not going to yeah. watch it. Same as Hugo. Hugo's him trying something. Yeah. And I thought it was effective. I think he was a little bit too heavy on drawing from early cinematic 
um, ideas that he tried to take to the next level and, and really ended up with some rehashes in there that I wasn't super happy with. I know that East is a big fan of the film, and if he was here, he would probably, you know, jump across the table and hit me with the microphone. <laughs> He'd grip the microphone real hard and, and, then, and then yell at me, yeah. Now, I remember seeing Hugo and thinking, like, gosh, Scorsese just really wants to make a George Millet film. Exactly. Mm. Thank you. I couldn't think of his name. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's Thank why East isn't me. here, but West is. But I'm bummed. I love – there's a scene we were talking a little bit before uh, the show about the color of money, which I love the movie because I love The Hustler. Right? Oh, The Hustler's great. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's it's inherent that I'm, I'm going to love that film just because I like Fast Eddie. Uh, but a lot of the time in the match, specifically with Tom Cruise – with his character going up against Fast Eddie, a lot of the times when you see him doing breaks on the table or trick shots, you you see uh, Cruz on a diagonal. And I love that. I love the world that that creates in that shot. Okay, quickly, we should probably eat. I you mentioned King of Comedy. I love that film. Yeah, that's I, a good one. Fuck man, like. Uh, I. It's one of the few films that kind of has a happier ending than you should expect. In, or rather an ending that you don't expect. I don't know if it's happy, but it's happy for the protagonist, if you can call him that. Um, and I love that. I, I also, I love, um, we talked about it off air, the scene with Sandra Bernhardt and, and at the fucking dining table with, uh, you know, if you like these glasses, I'll keep them. But if not, she throws them. It's <laughs> like, he doesn't even respond. He's just sitting there in blank face. Poor Jerry, just fucking wrapped in tape. It's brilliant, um, and I, I, I love. Uh, obviously, you know, Scorsese's mom appears in a handful of films, and I love her there. You know, just screaming down, and 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 the reaction, the play between the two of them, between De Niro and and uh, Mrs. Scorsese, mm. is is fantastic. And I love the um, that one shot where he's talking to the audience. He's pretending it's, uh, you know, the it's his appearance on Jerry's show. I can't think of the guy's last name. It's been a long time since I've seen the film, but, uh, and then you just back out down this hallway that doesn't exist. It doesn't. It, and it's so interesting. It, the perspective that you're seeing there and the, the potential for different conclusions that can come out of that, you know? And also it's very interesting to me, um, to consider whose perspective you're watching that film from, you know, because there are films in his catalog that are very clearly from one person or a few characters' perspectives. And that one is a little bit more of a fly-on-the-wall kind of thing, perhaps, or perhaps from... It, it bounces, and that's interesting to me. I like that. I like that a lot. Because you see a lot of different characters' emotional um, perspective on the world in the film. So although it's probably not one of his best, uh, it's it sticks with me a lot. I like it. It's really, really good, and I love De Niro, and he's just, he's fantastic. He's just so good. Fant- I don't know. I already said fantastic. Excellent. Um, anything else before we move along? I think you should chat a little bit about Gangs in New York. Yes. I knew, I knew that was coming. Let's chat about that. <laughs> yeah, let's please, because I got some not nice things to oh, say. Oh, well, let's that. hear it. Firstly, Cameron Diaz's accent. What is it? How hard did she hit her head before she started talking? <laughs> and thirdly, why? Why? Mm. Why? Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis, though, was pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, he's fantastic. Uh, you know, uh, I guess watching three hours of just him just going I, off on shit. Absolutely, Bill Butcher is a fantastic character. Well, True. exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the realization of that sort of thing. A diff- very different character per se, but yeah, yeah. Um, I a lot of people uh, cherish that opening sequence. And I didn't talk about this, but um, he will often take music from different eras and use it. He doesn't care about that. And generally, I don't mind it. Like the use of Everlong and Wolf of Wall Street is like weird to me, but yeah, I yeah. like it. Um, but that fucking opening sequence, it loses all of its emotional resonance from, for me because it's like watching a fucking music video. It's like, what were you thinking, man? <laughs> because uh, And there's moments of that throughout the film where just – like I'm, I'm really deeply. I've just gotten back into the film, and then something like that happens, and it just, it's like someone's hit the eject button in the theater and like launched me up into the roof, and I gotta <laughs> fucking pay again and go back in. And it's like at, a, at some point I'm thinking like, is this film even worth it anymore? You know? Yeah. Nah, I don't know. I like the. I, like you said, there are moments in the film where you're just totally ingrained in it. It's usually Daniel Day-Lewis, yeah. which is unfortunate. I don't know. Anyone else have some thoughts on this? It's been so long since I've seen it. I will abstain. Mm. John C. Riley's pretty awesome in it. John C. Riley is he fantastic. That big old club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clubs people to death with. No, that's not him. That's not him? Who's no. Who's John C. Riley ends up being the cop. The... Uh, it's the fucking cat. It's it's Harry from In Bruges, and I can't think of his fucking name. Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson. Thank oh, you. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah. someone has a big club. Oh, in, in Bruges, <laughs> Harry is uh, Ray Fiennes. Oh, sorry. Oh. Yes, yeah. but it is Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. She's right. What the hell is Brendan Gleeson and In Bruges? Ken or Kent? Yeah, it's Ken. 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 <laughs> Point goes to Danny. Well, I should know. No, it's like my one, favorite movie zero, ever. Zero, 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 zero. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, so Brendan yeah. Gleeson, <laughs> he he's got the big club, and then he takes the fucking axe and the, or the like the butcher knife, the big fucking huge thing in the back at the end yeah. of the or near the end of the film, which is cool. Also, there's no satisfaction in that the last sequence. You know, I I, I appreciate what he's what Scorsese was trying to do. I just find that it's so strange to come from him where he has been very vocal about making choices that were factually inaccurate to make a better film in the past and then to stay so steadfast with the ideas of things that are factually accurate in that at moment at moments and then in other moments not it just it's a weird thing to wrap your fucking brain around i don't know Eh. okay flick yeah man it's not my favorite of his bunch but it's it's it. it grossed a lot of uh Money made that got, made those money award nominations as it says in big fucking bold writing <laughs> on the uh, front of the DVD. All right, any final thoughts on any of the films that we're maybe not going to talk about? We talked about a lot that we are, so <laughs> it's totally backfired. 
Uh, I'll just say Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore is really great, and it's a great female narrative. And for anyone who thinks Scorsese is machismo, which yeah. he kind of is, and maybe that's a pigeonhole thing, maybe that's a choice thing, but I think it's impressive that he pulled off a female narrative of you know a woman getting divorced and, and living Absolutely. with a child and being a single mom. And I love um, that relationship, yeah. too, because it's something that seems so familiar to me. Super familiar, and it feels very real. And it's Ellen Burstyn, who is incredible. Um, she's... You know, I, I think she's kind of one of the biggest underrated actors. Absolutely. Um, Most people from our generation just know her from Requiem for a Dream. Or The Exorcist. Or The Exorcist, yeah. Um, again, great performance in both both of those films. Um, and then I also just have a weird soft spot for Shutter Island. But I think that's because I saw it when I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it also really parlayed into my massive Mark Ruffalo crush. So I, I definitely that like that, that crush. I definitely like that more movie so more than, than some people crush. did. <laughs> I don't think you get to be picky about that. They're my crushes. I get to have them. Yeah, it's true. I concur. Before before we get into debating, I just kind of wanted to make a comment about Scorsese in general. But what the hell just happened there? Something popped. Um, that it 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 um he seems like one of those people, kind of like um uh, Tarantino, um where there's like uh, kind of a cult. Uh, around him in Hollywood such that he he just kind of gets whatever amazing actors he wants like it it's not like there people want to be in a Scorsese film and i wonder if that or obviously it plays into um you know the how critically acclaimed his his movies end up being and i mean i think that that um yeah, and it's interesting you know, when you talk about his career to the eras of, of different, like obviously the De Niro era and the Leo era that were kind of somewhat still in and these sorts of things. It is interesting that he seems to be able to just pick out the best. You're absolutely right. Mm. There seem to be a lot of people who are, are um, you know, who, who, who really jump at the chance when, when a lot of these um, films don't, don't really see... Uh, necessarily a whole lot of studio success i mean these aren't people that are like when you know when you you're you get the chance to be in a spielberg movie it's like okay this movie is going to to massively boost my career um whereas it almost seems like with with scorsese um like we were saying earlier with jonah hill like taking a massive Mm. pay cut on on wolf wall street it's like he gets to have this in his portfolio it's not about the paycheck it's not about the the career success it's about like i i was in a scorsese picture like yeah. that's massive um in it in its own right i got to you know um yeah. work with 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 such a, a talented director and i mean i think that feeds back into it he's a, an amazingly talented director and he attracts amazingly talented people to his films and that just just kind of creates a positive feedback cycle of good movies it's interesting, though, that he still, to this very day, has some trouble with financing on his films. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking off air about uh, his new one, Silence, uh, mm-hmm. with Liam Neeson, Andrew Garfield, and uh, again, I'm blanking on who are, else is in that film. Are you really that surprised looking at his track record, though? I mean, his 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 last decade has been has been great, but even there are even examples within that, like Hugo, $150 million budget, 185 gross mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. like uh we were saying before bringing out the dead um which i thought was a great movie yeah um, i thought um nicholas cage i really don't like but but <laughs> this is a really amazing uh uh 
uh, it was almost like, um, what was that, um, Leaving Las Vegas kind of a portrayal um, yeah. just to, to put out. Actually, that's surprising yeah. to me because a lot of people hate Cage, but I, I, I don't think Bringing Out the Dead a lot of people would pick as a, oh, well, that's a good Cage movie. But yeah, it was a great movie. It is a good yeah. movie. It's yeah. too bad it's like really it. been shuffled. $55 million dollar budget, $12 million <laughs> in the box office. Yeah, that's that not movie. Good. That's like a fifth back. That's. That's not, atrocious. And yeah. Nicolas Cage <laughs> was very, very famous in 1999. So it's not exactly. It came out in 99. Right? Yeah. yeah. Just prior to that, uh, uh, Kunden, uh, which I haven't. Seen twenty million budget, five point five million gross. Yeah, but um, that was more of an artistic endeavor for Scorsese. Like he he knew he wanted to do it from the time that like he worked uh, from Casino. Like before mm-hmm. he started Casino, he knew he wanted to work on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, you know a, a lot of um, uh, like it doesn't surprise me that he that he has trouble getting movies financed, despite how you know what what kind of a uh, cult following he's developed because he. He does seem to have a problem grossing at the box office. It sucks, mm. but but you know, well, given not, the quality of a lot of it. Not in effect. recent history. Like when you talk about, say, for example, The Departed and Wolf of Wall Street, they've had huge returns. In fact, they're the highest grossing, even adjusted by far, of his films. So, uh, but it is interesting, nonetheless, that this American auteur and and champion of film in the modern era is still having to beg actors of extremely high caliber to work at scale. Mm-hmm. And when you go back and you hear stories about um, some of his films and deciding what studio to do them at because this studio or like Studio X would give me more money even if they had more notes for me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I mean? So he would take the money and then just, you know, shrug the notes off or something <laughs> like that. You know, like these sorts of things. So uh, it's interesting. I suppose because unlike a guy like Spielberg, he Scorsese has a lot of stubbornly, um, deliberately non-populist movies in his catalog, right? Yep, absolutely. Like The Age of Innocence or kind of like movies that he wasn't trying to get a whole lot of people to like, personal, uh, personal uh, films. So like, I guess the financing is directly proportional to what is in the script. If it's going to be a crime-based script i'm sure he can get the money together for it i don't Absolutely. know what this liam neeson one is though i know he's got one on the go they're with priests. De Niro again finally after all these years they're priests in japan although they had to shoot it in taipei and taiwan because it's money yeah okay. because money so Okay, so I mentioned at the beginning of the show that we've been receiving some great stuff from you guys this week. Please keep reaching out to us because it's always fun to read your stuff. Uh, We read everything that we get. We reply to as much as is humanly possible. We even read the stuff like, you didn't discuss X movie. What are you, dumb? Which, thank you. Uh, (laughs) But we love when... We do these sorts of episodes for you guys to chime in on our debate, talking about your first experiences with Mr. Scorsese's work. Um, Actually, on that note, uh, before I say my goodbyes, I want to mention, uh, and I'm sorry because I don't have the email in front of me uh, as it's four in the morning here and I'm half asleep. Um, but I was reading an email earlier today that I've yet to reply to, so I guess I'm kind of doing it on air, but I'll sit down and do a proper reply 
later on when I wake back up. Uh, but anyway, I received an email about Gangs of New York uh, talking about the 1938 flick of the same name. Um, and is the Scorsese film a remake? Well, yes and no. Both films are based on the same uh, Herbert Asbury book. Um, I have it here somewhere. Uh, Gangs of New York, An Informal History of the Underworld, um, which is basically a look at uh, pre-Prohibition New York. And frankly, the James Cruz film is more of like an undercover cop kind of situation. Um, and in that way, perhaps Scorsese's film is more closely embodying the grander themes of the book. That being said, I haven't actually read it yet. I just borrowed it from my mom, ironically enough. Um, but my understanding is that Scorsese's take is still a pretty loose adaptation. Uh, but thanks for bringing that up, whoever you are, uh, who I'll reply to you later. Uh, because as a result of your email, uh, despite my feelings on the film... I've gotten my hands on the book, which I'm going to read this week or this weekend. As you're listening to this, I'm probably reading it. Um, in any case, that's it. Thanks for visiting us again this week. We'll be back on Wednesday with our 16-film computer hacker movie, Battle Royale. So please come back and join us for that. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, uh, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, uh, pretty much everywhere that you can find podcasts. We're there. If we're not there, let us know and we'll get there. Uh, you can email us, and please do, at show at moviesroommylife.com and visit the website moviesroommylife.com. You can also find photos from this show and other shows, uh, as always, at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash moviesroommylife. No dashes, no dots, no underscores. And may I suggest you keep a close eye on the bowl of cookies as you're flipping through the gallery for this episode, as Danny did a real number on them. Um... And I think that's it. So thanks for hanging out with us. Good to go.